All right, into our second half of our second hour on a Thursday at CFAX 1070, who would normally join us in studio, but he is socially distancing, as are all of us as we navigate our way through these uncertain times. Michael Mulligan from Mulligan Defense Lawyers with Legally Speaking. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Over here is one of the non-health essential services continuing to practice law while staying a good distance away from everyone physically. Well, indeed, the courts are essential, one would think. So by extension, officers of the court, lawyers such as yourself, members of the bar must be essential to some degree. Yes, I think there's no doubt about that. Just as a sort of fundamental principle of uh, constitutional democracy, you just could not have a, a circumstance where uh, a person would be unable to get legal assistance if they found themselves arrested or charged with something or in uh, in jail. Uh, the courts, of course, are uh, making extraordinary efforts to deal with the extraordinary problems they're facing, uh, dealing with uh, in-custody matters, trying to uh, deal with uh, urgent uh, things of all sorts, while at the same time uh, trying to keep everyone in the justice system safe and that's no small uh, that's no small challenge let's take a look at some of the legislation that is being engaged or has been recently introduced regarding the covid 19 response i see here on the agenda we have bill c13 to start yes so bill c13 is the federal piece of legislation which was uh, passed uh, the other day by consent following uh, some negotiations between all of the federal uh, parties um, and a number of uh, elements of that are going to be familiar from the uh, good reporting uh, that's occurred so far. Uh, but there are a few interesting points in there that I think uh, people should uh, be aware of, uh, both from their sort of personal perspective and as well in terms of the general response to uh, the, uh, the emergency. Um, one of the things which I think people should be aware of, and there's been much uh, talk of the uh, emergency assistance that's going to be provided uh, for uh, employees, both regular employees and uh, contract employees, that sort of thing, people who are self-employed who are out of work. Uh -huh. um, one of the things which should be people should be aware of is that there is an exclusion there if somebody ceases work by quitting their employment voluntarily. Um, and so um, people might be aware of that who uh, have dealt with the employment insurance System, but they should be equally aware that uh, the uh, provisions that we're going to provide for that uh, emergency $2,000 a month uh, for people, including self-employed people, uh, are not available if somebody voluntarily quits their employment. Um, so that, I thought, was something that people should be made aware of so that they don't take some uh, action that makes them, unfortunately, ineligible for the uh, available support. So that was one that stood out for me reviewing that act. Interesting. Now, refresh my memory. I thought there had also been provisions made so that a person did not need a note or similar medical certificate to take leave from work due to COVID-19 suspected symptoms or self-isolation. My understanding is that this aid was also supposed to be applicable to people in that situation, or, or do I have them confused? Uh, no, I think what you're referring to there, and that is also part of this uh, act, uh, they made amendments to the Employment Insurance Act uh, and regulations which deleted the requirement for uh, certificates from a medical doctor or nurse practitioner, um, which were otherwise or previously requirements for the purpose of somebody uh, claiming a benefit under the Employment Insurance Act. Okay. And we didn't want everyone having to run off to their already overwhelmed doctors trying to get notes to get EI uh, claims. So Interesting. that has been deleted, and that makes a lot of sense. But the 
provisions that have been enacted to provide that emergency assistance for people do contain that provision that does not allow somebody to claim them if they voluntarily quit their employment. So don't do that, or you may find yourself uh, ineligible uh, according to the wording of that act. Interesting. Okay. Um, another section in there which I thought was of some uh, interest is our changes that they've made uh, to the patent legislation uh, in Canada. They amended the Patent Act, Yes. and they amended it in such a way that is going to permit um, uh, companies or individuals to uh, apply to uh, manufacture and sell things uh, that might otherwise be prohibited by virtue of patent protection. Oh, interesting. And it would appear what would be contemplated there would be things like, let's say there's a uh, patent for some element of a ventilator, for yes. example. Um, the idea is that uh, there would be, as a result of the public health emergency, uh, the government would be able to authorize somebody to go ahead and start constructing the you know, ventilator machine without worrying about getting sued for violating the patent some company might have on some portion of that device. Um, so I thought that was an interesting sleeper provision uh, in there that hasn't got a whole lot of... Uh, uh, a whole lot of attention um, yeah. so far. It reminds me of a news story out of the United States where a couple of enterprising individuals in a hospital that was short on equipment utilized a 3D printer to design a new valve or part, and apparently they have since been sued by the owner of the patent that it was similar to that valve for alleged theft of intellectual property. Well, there's got to be a, a special place in hell for somebody trying to prevent that. <laughs> well, I, I won't comment on that, but uh, <laughs> I, I do. I do recall a headline though uh, saying that or similar. Yes. Well, we're gonna. We've maybe that's what prompted uh, this provision. So in Canada, uh, the government will be able to exempt companies so they could go ahead and start producing. Um, that sort of emergency equipment without uh, running up against uh, patent infringement uh, claims. So that seems like a, uh, a, a good move, uh, certainly in all of these emergency times. All right. So uh, that's very positive. All right. I want to take our first break here a couple of minutes early as we continue with Legally Speaking from Michael Mulligan with Mulligan De uh, Defense Lawyers. Second half of our second hour every Thursday. Indeed. All right. We're back on the air here at CFAX 1070. Michael Mulligan from Mulligan Defense Lawyers. As we continue with Legally Speaking, Michael, we were talking about Bill C-13, not the only piece of legislation, though, being engaged by various levels of government currently. No, that's quite true. Uh, and provincially, we've had uh, the Public Health Act, and we just had the ministerial order announced under the Emergency Program Act. Um, one of the uh, other essential services identified in that Emergency Program Act ministerial order it was uh, the provision of uh, food and shelter and social services to vulnerable populations. Now, in Victoria, there appears to be a very significant uh, problem uh, developing in that regard. Um, I drove uh, my way home yesterday and this morning on my way in uh, down the 900 block of uh, Pandora, yeah. uh, outside of our place. Uh, and it is very, very troubling what's going on there. There is a large collection of tents. Uh, but beyond that, there are conglomerations of uh, people, groups of people socializing and lining up to get into our place, all close together, all talking, um, sharing things, socializing. This morning as I drove past there, there was somebody appeared to be uh, laying on the sidewalk with an ambulance and fire truck, uh, probably uh, applying Narcan or something of that sort, uh, emergency services workers wearing masks and gloves, uh, yeah. trying to do that. What's happened is that uh, our place, uh, while they're uh, limiting the 
uh, shelter and some of the other services that they've provided are continuing to provide meals three times a day and bathroom services. Yes. Um, all certainly with the very best of intentions. But the result of that is that you've got this very large uh, conglomeration uh, of uh, people who are uh, homeless. Uh, they are lining up in close proximity, living in close proximity, uh, and engaging in very dangerous uh, behavior. Um, and to my mind, that's something which simply has to stop and stop immediately. Yes. Um, so if somebody is uh, listening uh, to this in terms of what other orders might be made uh, immediately, um, it strikes me that one of the things that has to occur immediately is that the, uh, the provision of uh, food and social services in that central location at our place simply needs to stop and stop now. Um, that aid is obviously critical, but it just cannot be delivered in the way that it's currently being delivered because it's causing large groups of people to line up for it uh, and uh, you can just see, if you drive past there, the conglomeration of people who are um, uh, socializing and engaging in other uh, activity in close proximity, uh, putting themselves in uh, great uh, jeopardy, uh, because that is location, a central single location where that is being provided. So it strikes me that if that, for that help to be uh, continued to be provided, uh, meals, for example, uh, that has to be done in some distributed way to end the a conglomeration of people in that single location um, and uh, where the services are provided there, causing everyone to congregate uh, there. It's not, uh, in my judgment, realistic to expect that we're going to solve that problem by sending in, as was suggested, uh, municipal bylaw officers um, or police to deal with it. It puts them in, uh, and their families in tremendous uh, jeopardy. Um, that's certainly what I thought as I drove by walking the, watching the ambulance attendants trying to assist this poor person who was laying on the ground. Yes. There was also a, a security uh, person who appeared to be walking back into the area, no gloves, no mask, no nothing. It would be a danger to walk down the sidewalk in that part of the city. There are so many people so densely packed into that area. Uh, and if something, uh, to my mind, has to be done uh, immediately and promptly, that would be one of the things which needs to happen right now. Um, another, I think, sad commentary in terms of what's happening uh, is one of my uh, colleagues I was speaking to yesterday um, advised that when he drove home through the Rock Bay area, uh, there was a noticeably uh, larger than usual number of people who were engaged in um, street prostitution. Uh, and that is a very sad uh, state of affairs, oh, a consequence from this. One of the things, of course, you've got stores, many of the people who are uh, homeless yeah. are, of course, uh, the vast majority would suffer from a combination, one or both, often both, of mental illness and drug addiction. That is just what that population um, is suffering from. Yes. Uh, and the, the drug addiction, of course, is utterly unsustainable without money. Um, and you've got a circumstance now where businesses are shut. Some of that money is coming, of course, from things like shoplifting, which was a problem uh, recently in the uh, downtown uh, area. Uh, businesses are shut. There aren't going to be the same number of cars that might be broken into. People are at home. The practical reality for people who are uh, addicted to drugs, because there's no other way to obtain them, uh, is an increase in that sort of uh, just tragic uh, activity. That's what people are being uh, driven to. Um, and, you know, we, we've spoken before uh, about uh, 
um, drug laws and their effect, uh, but um, one of the effects of uh, criminalizing uh, drugs in the current uh, circumstance of um, uh, emergency uh, is uh, people are being driven to that uh, activity. Uh, and that is just uh, not an acceptable state of affairs. Uh, you know, we've uh, made efforts uh, dealing with things like safe injection sites. Uh, there is provision to uh, provide uh, exemptions for drugs to be provided to people who are addicted. Um, and uh, to my mind, in the current times, with the current risks uh, that are there, um, having people uh, turning in larger numbers to um, street prostitution in order to uh, be able to finance a, a drug addiction uh, is a tragedy. It puts them in grave jeopardy. It puts others in grave jeopardy. Um, and so uh, in addition to taking steps to stop um, people being encouraged to congregate in a single area for, for social services, we ought to give some uh, consideration, particularly in these emergent times, uh, not to have people uh, driven to uh, engage in the sort of activity that's going on in larger numbers in the Rock Bay community. I I hadn't even considered that, to be totally honest with you, Michael, is one of the emergent factors that would have to be managed by both police as well as the courts as well as just public officials in general, given the sheer magnitude of the disruption to the economy right now. Uh, the drug trade, the sex trade, those cannot help but by extension also be impacted. And the people in those positions are, in my view, putting themselves in profound danger by continuing that activity. There's no doubt about that, and, and people who are engaged in, who are uh, living on the street, as I've said, are, are there uh, almost to the one as a result of uh, either or both of mental illness or drug addiction. It, it could, living that lifestyle is itself on a daily basis uh, putting your own life in grave uh, jeopardy. Uh, and uh, the reality now um, is that uh, uh, continuing to do that is placing both those individuals and others uh, in grave jeopardy, um, and uh, it's not likely to be uh, effective threatening to prosecute the mentally ill person with a drug addiction no. under the Public Health Act, nor is it likely to be effective um, sending in uh, municipal workers to try to, uh, or bylaw inspectors or something to try to enforce that. Uh, that's simply going to put the bylaw inspectors or police officers and their families at great risk. But what we could do, um, I think, uh, and we should be doing immediately, um, and frankly, order or no order, um, we should be stopping the uh, provision of uh, intended to be helpful services uh, in a central location in a way that's causing everyone uh, who, or many people who are in that position in our community to congregate and put themselves and others at grave risk. Um, and that is something which we uh, can and should do. Those services need to be provided but they just need to be provided in a different way. Perhaps they need to be provided by uh, van or food truck or something uh, in a distributed fashion, but having uh, offering um, three meals a day from a single location um, downtown is creating an uh, obvious, complete tragedy and risk to everyone, uh, including the emergency responders who were there this morning. It's just not acceptable, and that is something that we can rationally and should be doing right right now. Well, we do know that there are steps being taken to create three similar areas, Royal Athletic Park, Beacon Hill Park, as well as uh, Topaz Park. 
And uh, I suspect the reason it is three instead of one is to try to disperse the provision of, of needed goods and services, food in this case, as you mentioned, Michael. I can't help but worry, though, that we'll turn one problem into three problems that will be indistinguishable in terms of their magnitude. What do you think? Yeah, that may be so. Uh, having people in close proximity uh, anywhere is going to be placing people in jeopardy. Uh, in the current context, asking people to try to manage those things is going to place the people who are trying to manage it in grave uh, jeopardy. Um, can you imagine being the uh, ambulance attendant who's called out to deal with the drug overdose uh, in the middle of a large conglomeration of uh, people uh, on March the 26th when you've got uh, all the uh, quite reasonable emergency declarations going about out about the importance of social distancing? Um, that's just a very difficult thing to be asking somebody to do. Um, and trying to manage uh, those sort of operations in the best of times when we don't have the current uh, emergency is very challenging. Um, there will also be real issues about uh, whether people are going to be uh, accepting of all of that because, you know, things like they talk about Royal Athletic Park and having controlled access to it. Yeah, I don't know how that's really going to work. I need to see it to understand it. But also, imagine this. Do you want to be the person who's charged with managing the entry to Royal Athletic Park? I hope I'm wearing a hazmat who, suit. Right? Who, who, who's being tasked with that? I don't know. Right? Uh, that, that is itself going to be very challenging. Um, and so, well, it's going to be interesting to see whether that's uh, possible. Um, the immediate thing we need to do is stop the centralized provision of the services that are currently being provided because it's creating a grave risk to everyone involved, and that's something which could occur today. Yeah. Um, and we will need to work out uh, the provision of, uh, you know, how uh, supports are to be provided. Uh, I mentioned a couple of alternatives, maybe provide food by van in different locations, mm -hmm. drive through the uh, parks, however that has to be done. Yeah. Uh, but uh, doing it in a central location seems just to be not a wise course of action. Um, and as I said, managing people, you, you can tell, and it's not irrational. People are already uh, who are uh, using opioids on a, a daily basis and who are addicted um, are already risking their lives on a daily basis and aren't being deterred from that behavior. Uh, now, however, there's a, a circumstance where uh, that behavior is not only a grave threat to those individuals, but it's a grave threat to uh, anyone and everyone who's being asked both to deal with them directly uh, and the implications that's going to have for the health system more generally. So we need action on that right now. All right. Well, hopefully we see that action uh, occurring as soon as possible. Michael Mulgan with Mulgan Defense Lawyers. Legally speaking, second half of our second hour every Thursday, normally and ordinarily in studio, but we are practicing social distancing guidelines, as is everyone else right now, ideally. Michael Mulligan, thank you for your knowledge and insight, as always. Any final thoughts? No, thank you very much for having me, and uh, hopefully uh, we see some uh, change in what's going on by uh, this time next week. All right. Take care. Very good. Thank you. Bye you now. Too. Michael Mulligan is counsel with Mulligan Defense Lawyers, legally speaking, every week here on CFAX 1070.